to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And we want to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose, uh, program number 15, Parables and Object Lessons. And uh, Susan, before we get going, would you open the program with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Loving Father in Heaven, thank you once again for the opportunity to um, look at your principles and how you operate the um, the world, and uh, we just ask your presence now to guide and direct us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, last time we looked at, uh, at the, the parable of the pearl, and this time we're going to look at the two worshipers. And uh, once again, as on all programs, we're going to talk about healing and how to use the uh, how God's healing ways can really make change in our lives, how to live free from the inside out, not by just stamping out bad behavior. You can't, you can't stamp out sin. You have to crowd it out. But with what? Well, by wrong habits, I can almost imperceptibly make myself a wreck. And when I'm a wreck, guess what? I hurt myself, and I can hurt others. It doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol that um, that is the cause of this. You know, and and I think what we're talking about here is too is is it's it's not an an intelligence thing. You know, you can't you can think your way through a math problem. We were talking about this this morning. You, you can think your way through a math problem or. Uh, calculus problem or whatever. Or a mechanic can uh, go through and fix your car, both deduction and, and thinking his way through it. symptoms, right? Yeah, but, but not through a human nature problem. And see, that's, that's where, uh, it, what did Einstein say? We can't, we can't solve a problem by using the same way of thinking we used when we created it, you mm-hmm. know? You, my, or the same mind. The same mind when right. we created it, yeah. Uh, you know, Solomon was the wisest man. That it, he was he was very intelligent, but he couldn't control his nature. Right. You know he and 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 because he, he couldn't control his nature, he went after you know anything and everything to help him to deal with who he was as a person on the inside. On the you inside, know what I mean? and so, that's it. That's something that we can't think our way through. Right. So he went even to the lengths of of passing his children through um, strange fire to offer them to the god Moloch right. because that's what some of the wives, some of the wives that he married, that's how they worshipped. And so, yeah. and he knew you would you would have thought that he would have known that he was doing something wrong at the time but this is this is what sin does to the mind right it's not just breaking the rules right it turns us into people that we're not right it changes us see and and in these things like speaking of alcohol or drugs or whatever uh you know stuff that that m- the human nature craves usually for me if it does something for me it will do something to me you right. know what I'm saying? Right. And so we can talk about alcohol or any addictions that because they come in many forms. It could be 
uh, sugar, slot machines, gossip, self-righteousness, which is what we're going to talk about today in the two worshipers, the parable of the two worshipers. But usually if something does something for me, it will do something to me, yeah. like you just said. Yeah. And um, uh, a, a haughty spirit, as we're going to discover today, will definitely kill you. It will. It will. And, you know, by the way, once again, we're going to discuss... Before we get started, what are words? Symbols of ideas. Words are just symbols of ideas. That's what they are. And so what it, let's define sin again. Let's start from square one. What is sin? You know, is it like we just talked about breaking the rules, or is it being self-centered? Is it being selfish? Is it seeking a legitimate need in an illegitimate way? Is it an attitude of rebellion? Is it breaking the law of love? Is it the exploitation of others for selfish gain. You see, by wrong habits, we lose self-control. We lose the ability to reason correctly about matters that intimately concern everyone, and we hurt people when we do that. We exploit people. We sin. Mm-hmm. You know, right today, I'm for the first time in the program that we've done the pro. We've done this program. What I don't know, nine year, eight years, or nine years, and I've got a new pair of glasses. How are they working? And, and so he, got, he has a new pair of glasses, and I for, have my glasses down in the car. She left so her down I the car. No so glasses. we might go sideways anyway. But but how are the, they working? They're working great because see, they're they're bifocals. Before I had just one pair for computer and one pair to drive, and now I've got these quasi bifocals where I can see I don't know two feet away, so I can look at my dash. Plus I can. So right now I'm looking at Susan clearly, and I'm looking down, and I'm looking at uh, at the at my notes clearly. And the interesting thing is, is I've with this new pair of glasses, I've gained the ability to see everything clearer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when we sin, we lose the ability to see everything clearer. Mm-hmm. It seems to get darker and dark. Our mind will get darker. Oh, it gets clouded. It gets clouded. And if you look at Romans one. It talks about that. It talks about God, people being going down the road so sideways that God finally gives them up mm-hmm. to, to whatever they want, mm-hmm. and their minds become debased and dark. And it is. It's like someone that's farsighted or nearsighted without their glasses. They, you just can't see. Right. And you, the problem is, is pride comes in, and you think all along you can see just fine. You, you know, when I, before I got the glasses, what did I maintain? I can see just fine. Right. Is that right? Absolutely. See, that's how it works. And it's the same thing spiritually. Before we get our spiritual glasses put on. Right. It's kind of like that. You know, you go into the eye doctor and he says you need glasses. And you're like, what do you mean? And he, well, you're over 50, aren't you? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. It's time yeah. for glasses. Exactly. So what's today's program based on? It is based on Luke 18, 9 through 14. And Jesus spoke the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. That's just kind of like the first line. Yeah, so, so it's it, yeah, that's just the kind of the the uh, prequalification of who is going up there. Right. The Pharisee goes up to the temple to worship for two main reasons. First, he hopes to win approval from God. He looks at his worship as an act of merit that'll actually impress God. At the same time, his hopes are that he will give the people around him a high opinion of his piety. It makes him feel better. What he really wants is he wants to be in the center with both God and man. Right. 
Do we see what what is actually stimulating his stimulates his worship? His worship is prompted by self interest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he's full of self praise. He looks he looks at it, he walks it, and he prays it, separating himself from the others as if to say, "Come not near unto me, for I am holier than thou." That's Isaiah sixty five five. And he stands and he prays with himself. As he's impressed, as he impresses himself, he thinks that God and men are also equally impressed. That's right. God, I thank thee, he says, that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Now, one of the biggest problems here is that he judges his character not by the holy character of God, but by the character of other men. His mind is turned away from God to people. And this is his secret of his self-satisfaction. As he continues, he proceeds to recount all of his good deeds, all of his list of his many accomplishments. He says, I fast twice twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So he's not looking for a God-like character, a heart filled with love and mercy. He is satisfied with a religion that has to do only with an outward manifestation of support. Uh, yeah, you know, just those acts that he can point to and say, "Look, God, this is what I'm doing." Yeah, yeah. We're, what did we say before? We're not hu- we're not human doings. We're human beings. Right. We are to be a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. anyone who trusts in himself, who thinks that they themselves are righteous, w- will by default despise other. As the Pharisee judges himself by other men, so he judges other men by himself. In other words, he rates his own character by the people around him. And the worse they look to him, the more righteous, by contrast, he appears. Have we ever done that? I mean, we say, I know I've done some bad things, but at least I'm not like that person. I would never do that. You know, I mean, we don't, don't, I, we look around and we have that tendency. The eagle is very cunning. Right. The eagle, we will justify and judge other people to make ourselves feel better and look better, all the while the ego is telling us we're doing absolutely the right thing. I think sometimes that's why, you know, people who have been drug addicts and and down, you know, been in prison or whatever, it's it's kind of like, you know, we've been at the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we've done those things that we swore we would never do. Mm-hmm. And it's so you can, we, and I think that's kind of like where the publican came from. He saw his yeah. destitute. Yeah. But the kind of self-righteous that the Pharisee had, it, le- it leads um, him to um, accusing others. Yeah, and in to, doing this, yeah. we manifest the very spirit of Satan, the accuser of the brethren. With this spirit, is it's impossible for us to enter into unity with God. Now, what about the other guy that's there worshiping? Okay, that the publican. Yes. Yeah, he stands afar, afar off. He wouldn't lift up his eyes. Unto, he wouldn't, let me see, let me read it. Would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast in bitter anguish and with an objective point of view, he was disgusted with himself. He felt that he had sinned against God, that he was wicked, and that he was polluted. Right. Have you ever felt disgusted with yourself? You know, we've talked about some of the things on the previous program, but we need to go over them again just to illustrate the point. I think so, point, yeah. Right? So these things are resentment, anger, and fear, and how they relate to my will. Or doing it, things my way. Exactly. And um, resentment is my will not being done in the past. Yep. Anger and dep- whether whether it was right or wrong, it's just it's, my will was not accomplished in the past. Right. Therefore, I, I'm resentful towards it. 
anger and depression is that my will is not being done in the future and mm. fear and, is and, I'm sorry the present and then fear is my will not being done in the future that's right that's right see you know and this makes me think a little bit because we were talking just a second ago about ego and pride and whatnot and you know I can't even see when my head's attacking me mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I can't even tell I don't see it because of the pride. In other words, my head will tell me I don't have resentments mm-hmm. because my ego doesn't want to admit that I could ever be hurt. Mm-hmm. You see, the <laughs> ego is very cunning. Right. And I've noticed another thing, that my disgust with myself, in other words, my guilt and my shame, mostly comes from the times when I actually got my will. You know, the resentments are when you don't get your will in the past, but my guilt and my shame came from the times usually when I got my will. Right, we, because our will is so is so contrary to what God says. Exactly. You know, resentment, anger, and fear, and a lot of guilt and shame are symptoms of running on our own will. See, 41 years my way didn't work. And this is all about running our lives on our own self-centered wills. Can we even see what we're doing? Remember Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked or desperately sick. So we can't even tell. Mm -hmm. See, we can't diagnose ourselves because we can't tell how sick we are because a a sick heart can't diagnose a sick heart. Right. That's our problem. Mm -hmm. And we can go back to the publican because this this is um, where he's at. He realizes that he's been running his own life and it hasn't worked out too well. In utter self-despair, he cries, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. He doesn't compare himself to anybody else other than himself and and how desperate he is because of his condition. Yeah, he's kind of overwhelmed with a sense of guilt, you know. And so he's he's really, dis- he's, he's wanting peace. Mm-hmm. His pleas for mercy, and, and of course he was blessed. I tell you, Christ said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And, you know, let's look. Words are what? Symbols of ideas. And if he went down to his house justified, what do we determine that justified was? It simply means to be set right. Mm -hmm. He was set right. He was put right. He was made right Mm -hmm. at that point in time because he seeked. He was seeking for God's mercy, and he knew his condition. And so he, he had an open mind. He was just like going to the doctor and trusting the doctor and saying, Doctor, there's something wrong with me. Please find it. He went to Jesus knowing there was something wrong with him. Right, right, and being able to admit that. Yeah. So the Pharisee and the publican represent two types of people that worship God. We find the first two uh, were Cain and Abel in the Bible, and came to, God came to God with a thank offering only, but Abel came with the blood that pointed to the Lamb of God. He came as a sinner confessing his only hope, was in the healing love of God. That's that's correct. The sense of need, the recognition of our selfishness, it's the very first condition that allows us to be reconciled to God. Remember Jesus said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Matthew 5:3. Right. And we can look back to Peter and see in his early discipleship, Peter thought he was so strong, like the Pharisee in his own estimation that he was not like any other men that when Jesus forewarned his disciples on the night of his betrayal, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, Peter confidently declared, although all shall be offended, yet will I, will not I. And that's Mark 14, 27 and 29. Peter didn't even know his own danger at that point. No, and I think 
what it boils down to is Peter's self-confidence misled him. You know, he thought he'd be able to withstand temptation, but in a few short hours the test came, and with cursing and swearing, he denied his Lord. You know, when the crowning, when the crowing of the rooster reminded him of the words of Christ, he was surprised and shocked, I'm sure. You know, and I think at that time, Peter had a moment of clarity like he'd never had before. At that moment, Peter began to understand himself, and he went out and wept bitterly. I think it, the love of Jesus broke his heart. Right, and he had come to a turning point, and he was similar to the publican in his remorse and his repentance. And like the publican, he was able to see his destitute and therefore able to accept God's mercy. Yeah, yeah. Now his, confidence, his self-confidence was gone. Peter never was boastful again. And um, Jesus, at his resurrection, said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, and he said, Do you love me more than these? Yeah, you know, and I think at this point, um, the turnaround was that Peter no longer put himself above his brethren. You know what I'm saying? He, mm-hmm. And he, he, at that point in time, he appeals to Jesus, you know, who he knew could read his heart. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, John 21, 15. Then he, then he received, and here's the important part, and here's the part I think that we can't stress enough, um, he receives a commission. In other words, he receives his marching orders. Mm-hmm. He gets, and, and this is, now remember, this is just after he's denied his Lord. Mm-hmm. He gets some serious marching orders, doesn't he? Right. He, Jesus tells him to go and to feed his sheep and to feed his lambs. And in doing this and giving Peter this great responsibility, Christ gave to Peter the strongest proof of confidence in his restoration. You know, I, I think if we look at this now as a um, if we look at this as a diagnosis of Peter's spiritual condition and as a prescription to heal him, mm-hmm. because what what's he told to do? Feed his sheep and feed his lambs. That's a pretty good spiritual prescription mm-hmm. for someone who's prideful. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who's just been humbled? Mm-hmm. Now, what what if? Peter doesn't do this. Mm-hmm. Is he going to get well? Probably not. So his prescription is to feed Jesus' sheep. Right. And then he will get well. So if he trusts the doctor and he takes the prescription, does Peter do that? Sure he does, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. And once the, one, the Peter who was once restful, uh, restless, boastful, and self-confident, um, he became controlled and remorseful from then on. He followed his Lord in self-denial and self-sacrifice. But you know what I want to I wanna just mention is that it's interesting, you know, we were talked about the heart and it's deceitfully wicked above all things. It's amazing that Peter, you know, just like us, we need to be aware of where we're at because just like Peter, um, he had walked with with Jesus, mm-hmm. with God for three and a half years by his side on a daily basis, mm-hmm. listening and interacting with basically the king of the universe, mm-hmm. right? And yet his own, um, his nature mm-hmm. and who he was as a person and his preconceived ideas as to what... Um, as to what who he or as to who he was as a person mm-hmm. was completely upside down very similar to the the Pharisee because remember 
The Pharisee says, I did this, I did this, I did this. Peter said, I will never do- deny you. The, everything is self-centered. So it's interesting because it's coming from a place of where it's a it's a it's it's a follower of Christ mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going through this. You know, it's a Pharisee which who was a follower of God, mm-hmm. and so I think some I we always have to stop and examine ourselves, mm-hmm. even though we may claim to be following Jesus. We may be actually an arch enemy to him yeah. and not even be aware of our own condition. That's right. That's right. Because if you think about the evil that led to Peter's fall, and it's the same evil as we just talked about that describes the Pharisee, it's also ruining many people today. There's nothing so dangerous to the human soul as pride and self-reliance. Of all sins, it's the most hopeless, the most incurable. Right, because his fall wasn't immediate, but it was gradual. it was gradual. That's right. Self-confidence led him to believe that he was saved, and step by step he was taken in a downward path until he could even one day deny his master. Yeah. So we, we, we need to learn from this. We should all learn to cherish hope and faith. But even when we give ourselves to Jesus and know that he accepts us, we're not beyond the reach of temptation. God's word declares, many shall be purified and made white and tried, Daniel 12.10. It's only him that endures the trial that will receive the crown of life. That's James 1.12. Right, 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Yeah. Remember, it is by beholding we become changed. So if we behold our own character without looking to the spotless character of Jesus, right? then we can um, develop that nature and that character that is complete, that would be willing to, to deny Christ in our very lives. Right, right. So when we study the Bible, what's it about? Is it about the things David did wrong or about the spirit that prompted him to write Psalm 51? Is it about David who finally came around or is it about the God who brought him around? Right, or what about Paul? Is it the Paul? Is it the things that Paul did wrong, or about the spirit that prompted him to write all those books in the in the New Testament? Is it about Paul who finally came around, or is it about God who brought him around? Yeah, the, it, the glory belongs to God. That's right. Is it about Peter who finally got it, or is it about the God he fell in love with and the love that caused him to get it? See, never stop searching for the God who changed all of these men and how he did it. It'll strengthen you, and it'll strengthen your relationship with God. And I think if we can look through that lens, if we can, if we can read that Bible, if we can read that Bible through that new lens of, of, of God doing all these wonderful things with people like us, mm-hmm. people that have the same issues, people that, you know, prideful people, people that... Um, people that struggle with addictions, people that struggle with all these things. Um, and and it's it's similar to like a love relationship, mm-hmm. right? You It doesn't just happen with no effort. You know, there's effort that goes um, into a relationship. A marriage, there's A effort. marriage, friendship, parenting, whatever. You have to put effort and, and time. And it's the same thing with God that... You know, and God's not demanding it. He's just saying, this is the way that you're going to grow, and you'll mm-hmm. be able to open up to the concepts I have to reveal to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the law of respiration demands that I breathe. Right. The law of love demands that I love others, mm-hmm. and I love God. And love yourself. Love you, them more than you love yourself. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Those, those are the two great commandments. Yeah, because if I'm like the, 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 the Pharisee, and I'm com- 
comparing myself to others around me, um, my ego will tell me I look better. Mm-hmm. So I can't be doing that. Right. I just can't be doing that. But it's it's just a tendency. The ego is very tricky. It's very cunning. It's like a human frailty or something. Yeah, it's just a uh, hereditary genetic genetic tendency. tendency cultivated and hereditary tendency towards evil. Yes. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, you can give us a call if you'd like, and uh, and you can order. we got a couple of workbooks. We have Seven Steps to Freedom, and we have Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Give us a call, 916-645-1297. Almost gave you my cell phone again, but I didn't. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 